Will you pray with me? Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts together be acceptable in your sight through Christ Jesus, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There are some Sundays when after the children's word is over, I can see the connection has been made and I just want to stand here and say, you already know where we're headed. So I should just say the benediction and we get on with doing God's work. Choir is really excited. Their tails are wagging right now. But we're going to stay here for a few minutes and look at this parable of Jesus. There were times when Jesus knew that the teachings were going to just land too heavily if he came right out and said it. So he chose to use the storyteller's art as a way of allowing people to uh, at least receive the news. He would tell a story that made perfectly good sense. And then later on, that story would kind of detonate like a little spiritual time bomb and uh, bring home some reality about the kingdom of God. When you hear the parables and you look at them paragraph by paragraph going through the scriptures, it can be a little hard sometimes. It can be a little difficult. The, say the sayings and the principles and the truths that each parable raise can be hard to hear. Just a... Two weeks ago, I was up in Oregon, and I was facilitating a reading week for lectionary preachers, and we were sitting around, and it was, we were going through a section of the Gospels, reading them to one another, and as we were going through, you could see each pastor sort of saying mentally and sometimes out loud, well, I guess I'll preach the Psalm this week, or I guess I'll preach the Old Testament this week, or I guess I'll preach the New Testament this week. I can't preach that Gospel. And I, kn I know where they're coming from. Sometimes the word just lands heavy. But as preachers, we are bound to answer to Christ, to deliver the word that has to be delivered. And this word, this week, is about the nature of the kingdom of God. And the reality is that there are two kingdoms laying side by side. When Matthew says the kingdom of heaven is like, it's his way of saying the kingdom of God is like. For whatever reason, Matthew chose the phrase the kingdom of heaven rather than the kingdom of God. But it means the same thing. And he's not talking about that day when we'll all have little angel wings and halos, me walking from cloud to cloud and greeting our old friends. This is not what Matthew had in mind. What Matthew was trying to say was that Jesus was breaking in on this world and its realms with a brand new kingdom, a rival to all other kings. Jesus is the new king. He's a different king than any king we've ever seen before, and he doesn't hold a scepter in his hand, and he doesn't have a crown upon his head except a crown of thorns. And he's not one who sends down edicts from on high, but he's one who kneels to wash the feet of his basest subject. And he's not one who is demanding and punitive all the time, but he is one who is not willing that the very least among us should perish. Not one. And his heart breaks, and his hands and his feet bleed for all of you and for me. 
This is a different kingdom. And it rivals every other kingdom. And the words of Jesus only begin to land heavy and they're only hard to hear when we are still so invested in this world's kingdoms that we cannot hear the good news of that which is to come. And the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner. It was harvest time. He didn't have any employees, so he went out and found the parking lot where all the day laborers stand, and he brought some of those day laborers in. And beginning at the first part of the day, they began to harvest, and the foremen saw right away they were never going to get the harvest out of the field in time. So they said to the landowner, we're going to need more workers. And he said, go and get them. And they went out and they found some more people in the mid-morning. And they went out at lunchtime because the harvest was so plentiful. They weren't going to have enough. And they needed to get that crop in by the end of the day. And so in the afternoon, they hired even more workers. And right there at the last hour of the day, the last time the water truck came around to give everybody a drink, they brought even more people they found them in the marketplace and say, the harvest is ready. Why aren't you working? They said, nobody has hired us. And they said, we just did. Come with me. And they went into the field and they worked. Now the people who went out very first part of the morning had agreed to work for one day's wage. So here came the man with the white envelopes and the dollars tucked inside. And they started to pay out and they started with the people who came into the field last and they gave them the envelope and the guy said wow a whole day's wage hallelujah so the people that had been out there from the first of the day they started rubbing their hands they said this this here is a generous landowner and they were expecting to make it hand over fist when they opened their envelope there was a day's wage inside just like the ones who would come in the last hour of the day. And they began to grumble. And this, by the way, is why employees never like it when, em when employers never like it when employees start comparing their pay stubs together. It just makes for a really bad day all the way around. Haven't you ever wondered? Haven't you ever felt like I'm doing it all for my company? I'm doing it all for my employer? They don't even notice the good work that I'm doing. They just take advantage of me all day long. And then this person over here calls in sick right up to the edge of their sick days. And they, they fudge just at the, you know, it's, it's time to start the work day at 8 o'clock. They're, they're tripping in at 8.15 and the coffee's already made. And they go straight to the coffee pot before they go to their desk. You've all worked with those people, haven't you? You're not one of those people, are you? No, of course not. But we work hard and we slave away because we are sure that at some point, God's going to notice. Our employers are going to notice. Our teachers are going to notice that we're putting it out there more than anyone else. What it helps to know is that this parable that we just looked at in isolation occurs between two stories in the Gospel of Matthew, where number one, the disciples were arguing about which of them was the greatest. And then later on, they were asking Jesus, grant me to sit at your left hand and at your right hand when you come into your kingdom. Jesus looks at them and says, you don't even know what you're asking, do you? You don't even know what you're asking. And I think, I think 
sometimes what Jesus would have said next is, you are already in my kingdom. It's already happening. I don't know what part of this, whether it's pride or residual sin or whatever else, that this hangs on, and even though we are already into the kingdom of God, and even though that banqueting table is spread for us every communion Sunday, even though the grace of God has been opened up to all of us, we still look up and down the pews and compare ourselves to the others who are around us. Because in our kingdom, there are saints and then there are saints. There are those who just barely snuck in, and then there are those of us that God is going to bestow with great reward in his kingdom. We still compare. We still look. And we still ache to see the kingdom of God be fair to everyone. It's not fair, they said. We've been out here sweating our tails off since the first light of day. I have been working my tail off. And these people have barely done anything. We bore the full scorching heat of the day getting this harvest in. These people show up and you have made them equal to us. And the landowner said, yes. I decided to be generous to them and to you. Or did you forget what your heart felt like when the bus came over and we selected you from among all the laborers to work first thing this morning. How exhilarating it was to know that you were chosen to work. How grateful you felt. Oh, there's the word, isn't it? Gratitude. The kingdom of God is a kingdom that is dependent upon its citizens being filled with gratitude. Our God is a generous God. He is a loving God, and he has given us life. And when we find that gratitude has come beyond our grasp, when we can't catch hold of it, when gratitude has escaped us, when that early thrill that we felt when we stood on that hilltop and we held that flickering candle and we looked into the stars and said, the God who made all of these is calling me. And our hearts leapt within us, and we say, I will serve you, Lord. And then when we were 30 and our kids were just screaming and running around the house and the boss was wanting us to work overtime, we said, I will serve you, Lord. And then our kids went off to college and we looked at our spouse and said, are you still here? And we said, we will serve you, Lord. And then when there were very few of our friends left, we looked around the room and we saw God pouring out his generous love on a whole other generation. And they were singing, and they were praising, and they were raising their hands, and they were exalting the Lord, and they were filled with joy, and some of them were weeping for the sheer joy of it. And we were sitting here going, I have served you my whole life, Lord. If we lose our gratitude, we've lost everything. We have lost everything. God hasn't forgotten any of us. It's we who are busy comparing ourselves. Because I, I know a secret. When those young kids who are playing their rock and roll and praising the Lord at the top of their lungs, when they get older, they're going to see a whole new generation coming up behind them. 
and they're going to have to work through what it means to let go of the things of this world and to take hold of the hem of God's garment. And they're going to learn what it means to know the depth of God's love, which covers all things, so that nothing in all of life, neither height nor depths nor powers nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor things in heaven nor things on the earth nor things under the earth, nothing in all of life can separate us from the love of God, which is ours in Christ Jesus, our Savior. If that doesn't make us go bananas with joy, I don't think anything will. He is such a generous God, such a loving God. Has our gratitude slipped so far by the way that we can't rejoice for others who are meeting him for the first time? When I was director of Lift Ministries full-time, I was asked to come to a church and I had had a relationship with this church in the past, and they asked me to come out and do a consultation. And I said, what's the nature of the consultation? And they said, we want to start a contemporary service. I said, a contemporary service? They said, you know, a, a praise service. And one of them said, oh, you know, one of those rock and roll services. We've tried three times, and we just can't seem to get it going. So I went out, and I spent an evening with them. There were a few... Uh, uh, from the leadership team, and there were a few others who were, who were part of an ad hoc committee, and there was all together about 20 people in the room, and I listened, and we had some dialogue, we read some scripture together, and I listened a little more, and finally I said, I'm not going to charge you a penny, and I don't need to come back. I can give you one bit of advice tonight, and if you follow it, I promise you, you'll have at least 100 to 120 people in a praise service within 18 months. And they said, oh, good, tell us what it is. And I said, at your next annual meeting, make sure that five out of your nine trustees that you elect are 30 years of age or younger. They all laughed. They all laughed. They thought I was joking. I said, I, I'm not kidding. Think of what was entrusted to you when you were that age. Think back with me on what God asked you to do for him when you were in your early 20s or mid-20s or late 20s. And if you knew God, he was asking you to do unthinkable, unimaginable things. He was asking you to dream big, hairy, God-sized dreams. Now, who are we in our advancing years to throttle those dreams for others? We treat young adults like they're in the margins of the church. We treat late arrivals like they're the margins of our culture. We treat those who are the newest immigrants like they are something other than all of us. And what we've all forgotten is that the blessings of the next generation are hidden in the marginal people. Our future is, hitting, is hidden in the very places that we have bracketed people and shoved them to the side. Because if we knew how to fix all of it, we would have done it already in the name of Jesus. We need help. Thank God we need help. The harvest is too big. We need more workers. And I don't care if God pays them double what he agreed to pay me. I haven't exhausted the treasure that is mine in Christ yet. So bring on the workers. Bring in the marginal ones. Open wide the gates of every border and let them stream in because the love of God is enough for everyone. 
There is more than enough of God's agape love to go around. Now, anyone who's still busy defending a turf in this world's realm is going to be really upset by that. But this morning, I'm not answering to those people. This morning, I answer to Jesus. And I'm telling you, Jesus doesn't have a national debt. He isn't having any trouble passing his budget. And there's more than enough in his coffers for all of us. If you're feeling threatened by the presence of others, you're measuring the currency of the kingdom in wrong terms. You need to head for the forex and exchange this world's coin for a God's agape love. Fill your hearts with gratitude again. Remember how generous our God is. And remember that that generosity is good news. Oh, yeah. Once in a while, I get together with my family and we start talking up some people and talking down others. We all have that feeling from time to time that we're just a little better than others. I just want to remind you that in God's kingdom... The guy's going to come out of the gates one day and he's going to say, we can only take a few more and we're going to start at the back of the line. And if that's not incentive enough to have you, you and I establish for ourselves a principle that we will serve others, that we will always step back and let another in line, that we will embody the principle of the last being first and the first being last. We become the reversal, the grand reversal that is Jesus' kingdom breaking forth on this earth. Hard stuff, tough stuff, wonderful stuff. Let our hearts be grateful for the grace of God is of such surpassing value that none of us will miss the rest of it ever. Amen.